Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. Our passage this morning is going to be out of Luke 7, 18-23. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of disease and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. This is the word of God. Good morning, Hill City. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. There's a couple things I want to let you know about. Um, One, we have about 50 people. 25 couples, maybe a little bit more, who were gone Friday, Saturday, and even today, right now. They're part of our church, and they're at a marriage conference that we, that we put on. Um, Daniel and Emily are leading them in a marriage conference. Um, if you think about it, as we're just here today, just pray for them, because that's an awesome conference. If you have never been or haven't had a chance to go, we're going to do another one of those in the spring. But we just really take it seriously. We want to invest in the marriages of our church, and that's what's going on. So we are about 50-plus shy this morning, but that's okay because they're right where they need to be. Secondly, I want you to know I'm so happy and pumped up today, like right now, okay? Now, Daniel and a lot of the staff give me a bunch of junk because they say I look mad all the time. My grandma disagrees. But they say I look angry and upset all the time. Okay, so look at me. This is happy Brad. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, listen, it's football season. It was cold and rainy all weekend, and I love it. And we watched football finally. There's no better time of the year than right now. Okay? And I'm happy about it. So no matter what you see or you think you see today, I'm happy. Can you give me some grace? There's always one. There's always one. (laughs) So here we have John the Baptist. Thank you, Skylar, for reading that passage. John the Baptist, and here's the deal. He sends his boys to Jesus with a question. The question is, are you the one or should we look for another. See, John the Baptist has some doubt. Now, John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, is actually a more proper way to say it. John the Baptizer. He's a guy that we heard of earlier in the book of Luke. If you're visiting, we're going through the book of Luke. We've been going through it. Here's the deal. We'll probably be going through it until 2028. Okay? It's a massive, long book. Luke could not put his pen down. Okay? And we're going to be in it a long time. Have been in it. We have talked about John the Baptist, but let me do a recap. Okay, Here's the deal with John the Baptist. His dad, he had a dad. His dad's name was Zechariah. Zechariah was essentially a pastor in a small town. Right? So think rural, 
kind of hardworking, blue-collar guy, pastored a small congregation, likely had to have another job uh, to support his family. Um, tiny town, very humble man. He's married to a, a young lady named Elizabeth. Same type of woman, a devout woman. She loved the Lord. Right? Simple, hardworking, rural couple, devoted to God. They loved God. They loved one another. Now, here's the deal. They wanted a baby. Like so many couples, they wanted a baby. And they prayed for a baby for a long time. And God did not answer that prayer for a long time. And by a miracle of God, one day Elizabeth is pregnant. Now, you need to know this. When this happened, she was too old to be getting pregnant. God had to step in and make this happen, right? So they have a son. They name him John. This is the John the baptizer we're talking about. Now, note this. Roughly at the same time, and actually it could have been within weeks, there was another young lady who was actually a cousin, Elizabeth's cousin, a little virgin teenager who also became pregnant. Her name was Mary. She conceived by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth and Mary were pregnant at the same time. And I tell you that because here's what happened. Then they had these baby boys, right? These baby boys grew up together, playing Tonka trucks, like in the sandboxes together. They were tight. That's Jesus and John the Baptist. We see John again in Luke chapter 3, but this time he's all grown up. But here's what happened. Sometime between young Tonka truck, John the Baptist, and grown John the Baptist, he turned weird. Like he lived in the woods and he dressed in camel hair. And then when he smiled, he had like the legs of locusts between his teeth because that's what he ate. Weird cat. What you have to know about John is that he was on absolute fire for Jesus. See, he was the guy, and he came out of these woods. It wasn't that just that he looked weird and that he ate locusts and honey, but he started preaching a message about one that was to come. And he was like spitting fire as a preacher, hardcore. And a bunch of people listened, and a bunch of people believed, and a bunch of people followed because of how hard and the truth that he preached he loved Jesus. He was on fire for Jesus. And here in our narrative today, we see that this person has some doubt. Now, don't raise your hand, but just think with me. Have you ever been in a season of doubt? you ever doubted Jesus? Are you in a moment where you're doubting Jesus right now? My word to you this morning is this. Just take a deep breath. It's all going to be all right. And you're kind of in some good company. It happens. Many people who love Jesus have been where you are. So be encouraged this morning. So two things we have to talk about in this passage today. And the first one, as I've already mentioned, is doubt. I want us to take a look at how we should doubt. John gives us a great example on how we should doubt. So let's look at the question that he asked. So he sends his two boys. He sends them out to Jesus. Here was the question. Are you the one or should we look for another? 
Now here's one thing we have to make sure we know before we go any further. In this moment of John's life, things are not going well. John has been faithful, like he's preached the truth, he's done exactly what the Lord would have him do. He loves Jesus, he lives for Jesus, and he's in prison for it right now in this narrative. He's in prison. Now, it's not just that he's in prison. The main reason he's in prison is because a guy named Herod, if you read history, this guy is known as Herod the Great. And Herod the Great, here's what Herod the Great did. He stole his brother's wife. He had a brother named Philip. He's like, yeah, Philip, your wife is hot. I want her. I'm going to take her. That's the kind of guy we're talking about here when we're talking about Herod. Okay, and it's not just that he stole his brother Philip's wife. On top of that, he actually thinks his brother's daughter is hot. And I think she's about 13 years old. So this is the type of guy we're talking about. Just call it like it is. So John, the baptizer, John the preacher, starts preaching sermons. And then he tells Herod to his face, hey, dude, you can't do that. Like, that's wrong. Well, Herod doesn't like it, just like most of us who are told when we're wrong, we don't like to hear that we're wrong. So Herod's like, well, I want to kill you, but I can't because I know a lot of people follow you, so I'm going to throw you in prison. And that's where John finds himself in this narrative, in prison. Now, this is nasty prison, dungeon prison. Like, he's not getting three meals a day, working on his PhD, and get, and get to watch cable prison. Like, this is urinate on yourself, locked up, dungeon Nasty prison. Real prison. And he's like, hey, this is not exactly how I saw this going. But he's there. And he sends his disciples. And the question that he asks is, are you the one or should we look for another? We have to look at this question because this is not exactly how I've seen doubt play out for myself or most anybody. And here's what I mean by that. The way I've seen doubt play out looks more like a me-centered approach where we look at John and his doubt was played out in a Jesus-centered approach. So you have a Jesus-centered approach to doubt, you have a me-centered approach to doubt. John asks this question, are you the one or should we look for another? Here's how I've seen it play out. Jesus, prove to me that you're the one by solving my problem. You see the difference? There's another example we have of this. You guys remember, so Jesus is on the cross, right? This is a pretty common story. Most of us, why we're here, okay? So Jesus is on the cross, and then on each side of him, he has a thief, right? Two guys deserve to be there. Jesus didn't deserve to be there. And the thief asked a question. But it wasn't like the question John the Baptist asked. John the Baptist, are you the one or should we look for another? The thief on the cross, says, he says, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and then us. You see the difference. See, when we approach Jesus more like the thief on the cross... We're approaching God saying, hey, God, prove that you're real by solving my problem. And when we do that, what we're really asking Jesus to do is to give us the power to do whatever we want with our lives. Prove you're real by solving my problem because I know what's best for me. 
Jesus, not you. I know what's best for me. Prove to me you're real. This is not how John did it. Like he didn't send Jesus the message, right? His message wasn't, hey, hey, Jesus, let, tell G- listen, I got to get out of this dungeon. Hey, and if you're the one, like get me out of here. It's not how John did it. The heart of John's question, are you the one or should we look for another, is more, it was more like, hey, Jesus, I need to know if you're the one. Because here's the deal, if you're not, I'll get myself out of prison. Like, I'll, if, if word would come back to, to John and Jesus wasn't the one, it's pretty simple. Hey, get me, get me back in front of Herod. I'll just tell him, hey, dude, all that stuff you're doing, keep it up. And the stuff I've been preaching, Jesus is not the one. So, forgive me. Uh, can I get out of here now? I won't say anything else bad about you. Like, John could have got himself out of prison. That's not what he does. He doesn't go to Jesus and say, get me out of here. Prove me you're the one. I'll believe in you if you just get me out of here. That's not his approach to his doubt. He did not come to Jesus with conditions. I'll say that again. John did not come to Jesus with conditions. Could it be? Could it be that our questions about God, could it be that our doubts about God are not really questions at all? And could it be that they are actually more orders disguised as questions? God, I'll believe in you if you do this. That's an order. It's not a question. But here's the thing. Coming at God like that. Coming at God and saying, hey, I know more than you what's best, so go ahead and take care of this for me, will you? You can't come at God like that. Because when it comes to your doubt, when it comes to God, the proper question, the perfect place to start is the same place that John the Baptist started, and it's here. Are you the one? Or should we look for another? Because here's the reality. Before you know that, you can't know anything else. Can I say that again? Before you know that, you cannot know anything else. And once you know that, then it will change your perspective on everything else. Even prison. See what John's doing? Are you the one? should we look for another? Now let's watch what Jesus does here. Okay, verse 21. Now, here's the deal. You're not going to read here where Jesus gets ticked off. John comes with a question, and you don't see Jesus just flipping tables, throwing stuff. How does John not know I'm the one like we grew up together? You don't see Jesus get angry at John's doubt. Listen to me this morning. If you're in a season of doubt, He ain't mad at you. He's gracious. Check this out. So John sends his boys. They ask Jesus, hey, are you the one or should we look for another? Here we go, verse 21. In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he, Jesus, answered him, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. 
The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Indirectly, and in other words, here's what Jesus sends back to John. I am the one. Look no further. I am the one. Look no further. God is so gracious to us, even in our doubt, to give us answers. He isn't mad at you. And here's the deal this is cool. Because it's not just that Jesus just went and performed a bunch of miracles. There's way more to this. You don't just see it on its face here. But let me unpack this for you, okay? It's not that he just performs a bunch of miracles. In verse 21, you see Jesus just go to work. In that hour, all those things. Boom, boom, boom. Blind see. Lame walk. Dead are raised up. Deaf hear. Good news to the poor. Boom, 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 right? Now, here's what's awesome about this. 700 years before this narrative, we have the book of Isaiah. It's an Old Testament book. And in the book of Isaiah, it's, it's called a messianic prophecy. There's prophecy on top of prophecy in the book of Isaiah that says a Messiah is coming. Here's what he's going to do. Now check this out. I'm, okay. Isaiah chapter 35, we read, the blind receive their sight. Isaiah chapter 29, we see he healed evil, he's going to heal evil spirits. Isaiah chapter 35, he, the lame is going to walk. Isaiah chapter 35 and 53, lepers are cleansed. Isaiah chapter 35, the deaf will hear. Isaiah chapter 25, the dead are raised up. Isaiah chapter 61, the poor have good news preached to them. Listen to me, John knew Isaiah Jesus knew that John knew what was written in Isaiah. How gracious was Jesus to answer John in this way. I am the one. Don't look any further. If you've ever doubted Jesus, can you just be encouraged by this this morning? Jesus is gracious with you even in your doubt. He is the one, and you should look no further. Praise God, right? Come on. Now here's what I want to do. Okay? Here's what I want to do. I want to receive communion, and I want to sing, and I want to go home, and I want to lay around, and I want to watch football, and I want to be encouraged. That's what I want to do. I cannot do it because this text will not allow me to do that. There's more to this text. Because so I told you there were two things we have to talk about in this text. The first one was doubt. And I want you to be encouraged this morning in your doubt. But there's a second thing that this text makes me talk about this morning. And that's this. And this is a warning. This is not an accusation. I don't believe this is just all over Hill City Church, but it's a, it's a warning of love. And here is the warning. 
the warning of a false gospel. I cannot leave today without the warning of a false gospel that is all around us. You see, here's the reality. A very, very significant portion of Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, was left out when Jesus went to work. All the stuff I mentioned you, he did it. It's all over Isaiah. But check this out. Where was John? Talk to me, peeps. He's in prison, in a nasty dungeon prison. Now, let's go to Isaiah 61 and read the verse 1 in its entirety. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, here we go, to bring good news to the poor. That happened, didn't it? Jesus said it. That happened. To bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Are you ready? To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. I can't imagine what John's thinking. Can you? Like, his boys come back. Hey, here's what we saw. Lepers were healed. Blind people saw. Deaf people heard. People were raised from the dead. Good news to the poor. John, sitting in prison. And... I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe after his boys were like, no, no, that's it. Like, that's, that's what we, okay, okay. John might have concluded, oh, sweet, sweet, sweet. He didn't mention the rest of chapter 61 because he's getting ready to come here. Oh, yeah. He's getting ready to come here to set me free. This is awesome. Jesus left it out. Let's talk about American Christianity just briefly. American Christianity would have us believe, and the teaching of much of American Christianity would have us believe that if you obey Jesus, or since you obey Jesus, that God has to respond to you. If you obey Jesus, or because you obey Jesus, you deserve something so John gets this message back from Jesus right and he knows like okay I am the one look no further and I don't know what John was thinking about that little part in Isaiah 61 that Jesus omitted I don't know what he was thinking but here's what happened here's what happened sometime later John's still in his dungeon he hears some commotion outside of his prison door now, wouldn't it have been awesome, movie lovers, go with me here. We did it last week. I think you can do it again, right? Wouldn't it have been awesome? John, in prison, he hears some commotion, right? All of a sudden, boom, door breaks down. In walks Jesus, smoke coming in behind him, like shredding guitar play. And there's Jesus with like lighting behind him. And he's like, I'm here, John, let's go. I'm going to set the captives free. And they walk out down the halls of the dungeon in slow motion, and they're off to get a Jesus go turn some water into wine and celebrate because he set the captives. Wouldn't that have been awesome? It's not what happened. 
See, the prison door would open. And it wasn't Jesus. It was a guard, and he had this massive, sharp, heavy sword. And he walks up to John, and he chopped his head off. And then he takes John's head, and he puts it on a plate. And the guard walks upstairs where this filthy party is going on, and he gives this plate with John's head on it to a little teenage stripper. She just so happened to be Herod's niece that he thought was hot. Like, that's in the Bible? Yeah, let's read it. That was the Brad Lotz version. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, we'll start in verse 6. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias, that's his brother's wife, danced before the company and pleased Herod. So basically she stripped for Herod and all of his drunk buddies. That's what happened right there. Let's call it how it is. What a man. And it pleased Herod. So he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and he had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Wasn't very much different, was it? Let me be very clear. John loved Jesus. John lived for Jesus. He devoted his whole life to preaching truth. Was faithful in every way to a T. Now listen, I just got to be honest. Let's all be honest together, okay? John who we're talking about, John the baptizer, faithful, here, awesome, this is him, okay, us, if we're honest, us, now listen, that's not me knocking you, let's go to scripture here, because check this out, look what Jesus, this is what Jesus says of John the baptizer, okay, go back to Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, now check this out. Jesus just sent word back to John. He's heartbroken. You know why? He was God. He knew everything. He knew John was going to get his head chopped off. And he's hurt. And he starts talking to the crowds. And here's what he said. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? Which is where John lived, okay? What did you go out to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Like you knew you were going to go find a weird guy. He lives in the woods. He eats locusts and honey. What else were you looking for? Were you looking for a man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is, the, this is he, John the Baptist. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare 
your way before you. Now listen, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Okay, now come back, come back here. John. Okay. Everybody born of a woman here? Okay. Us. He loved Jesus. He served Jesus. He was better at this than any of us. Fair enough. Listen to me. Please listen to me. If anywhere in your theology you find, well, I go to church, I pay money to a church, I serve at my church, I read the Bible, I pray. Well, I'm a good husband. I'm a good mommy. Well, I don't drink. I don't cuss. So all those are so true of me. So I deserve God's blessing. If that's anywhere in your theology, you are missing it. And I'm telling you this because I love you. If that is your theology, your joy is up for grabs. Okay, let's just talk Hill City realities. This is just Hill City Church. Miscarriages are real. Cancer diagnoses are real. Single people wanting a spouse so bad they can't stand it, is real. Depression is real. Like, single person, you may never get married. I'm not telling you that to depress you. I'm just telling you, you love Jesus, you live for Jesus, you do everything that he's asked you to do, you still may never get married. Depressed person. You may never conquer your depression this side of heaven. I cannot find it in Scripture where God is mandated to keep all those realities from his faithful followers. And he doesn't keep those realities from his faithful followers. Every, every scenario I just painted for you was real. And it was on a person or persons who love Jesus with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I find an opposite theme in Scripture than that of some health and wealth trash that is so easy for us to swallow. Let's just, let's just talk about a few of the disciples, just real quick. Peter and Paul, okay? Let's just kind of put them over here with John. Martyred in Rome. James, stoned to death. No, he was stoned, didn't quite do the job, so then he was clubbed to death. Andrew, crucified on an X-shaped 
cross. Bartholomew, remember him? Remember Bart? He was flayed to death with a whip. You tell me this. How is anyone to conclude, even remotely? I don't even know how we can get. In, I don't even know how we get close to believing that God has to or will give us health and wealth and happiness if we obey Him or have enough faith. Listen, to me, I cannot think of anything more unloving than to look at somebody and tell them, "Hey, if you love Jesus enough." this stuff won't happen. If you have more faith, this won't happen. That is so unloving. What will it look like when like real tragedies and pain, like when they test the sustainability of our joy? If we buy that, it will only leave us begging for answers. And we love you too much to tell you that if you just have enough faith, you'll keep that stuff away. I don't find it. Now, listen. You mark my words. If something happens to Jenny or my kids... I will fall on my face flat before the Lord so fast it will be a blur. And I will pray to him and ask him to intercede and heal and bless. But I would hope that the reason that I would do that is just because I know that he can, not because I deserve it. Not because I've lived so good and I've done so many good things. Like my good bucket is so full the Lord owes me. Oh, furthermore, I also don't want to be guilty of worshiping something other than Jesus. Now, here's what I mean by that. If you follow Jesus so that you can have a better marriage, or if you follow Jesus so that you can have a better life, you come to church so maybe your kids can have, you can have better kids, right? If you're following Jesus for this end goal, then that end goal is something other than Jesus. Then we're worshiping something other than Jesus. What we're doing is using Jesus as a means to an end. Now listen, are there byproducts? Are those things I mentioned bad things? Listen to me. I wholeheartedly believe if I do marriage the way Jesus says to do marriage, I'm going to have a better marriage. I believe that. Okay? If I raise my kids and point them to Jesus, I think I got a lot better chance with my kids, okay? I believe that, but listen to me. My marriage isn't the idol. My kids are not the idol. Jesus gets the worship. 
And we use Jesus as a means to an end indirectly. We live like God owes us something. Jesus says this. I'm the one. Don't look any further. Like, do you trust Romans 8 this morning? Now, this is a coffee, this coffee cup verse, right? This is our coffee cup verse. But do you trust it and even know what it's saying? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Now, hear me. A lot of people love God. You're not the only person that loves God. So we can't read Romans 8.28. This would be a misinterpretation to read it and think all things work how I need them to because I love God. All things will work out how I desire them to because I love God. That's a, that, you were taking scripture and just jacking it up. Let me paint a picture of how I think this maybe went down, okay? You're not going to find this in Scripture. Just go with me here. So John gets his head cut off. That is in Scripture. Jesus was brokenhearted about it. That is in Scripture. Like, that's his, that's his boy, his childhood. Like, they're here. Like, John the baptizer baptized Jesus gets his head cut off. Jesus is heartbroken about it. But Jesus goes on to minister, right? Jesus goes on to do what the Father sent him here to do. He lives a perfect life. He dies on a cross. He gets put in a grave. Three days later, he raises from the dead. After he raises from the dead, he walks the earth a little bit. A bunch of people saw him. And then he ascends back into heaven to take his rightful seat at the right hand of the Father. Now, here's where I want you to go with me. Imagine him walking into heaven. So here you have Jesus just conquers death. He just makes a way for his most prized possession to get back to the Father. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened, ever. He walks into heaven. No question. It's a party. Loud, singing, cheering. People going crazy. Death conquered. This is insane. Can you, like, are you there with me? Okay? Now imagine Jesus looking around. He sees everybody praising him. The saints of old are like cheering him on. And he looks over. And there's John the Baptist. His boy. Like, can you go? Can you imagine this with me? Like the embrace. Oh, Jesus, John, John, Jesus, yes. Boom. And I can just imagine the conversation, man. You did it. like you conquered death. Like man, that crucifixion thing was sick. I don't even know how you went through. Like the guy cut my head off. I didn't even feel a thing. Like it was so fast. Like, I could just see him talking. Jesus, 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 listen to me. I knew you were the one. 
I was never going to look for another. I knew you were the one. Thank you. Jesus, thank you. I'm here. There's no better place to be. Now listen to me. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 61. Are you ready? He set the captives free. Did he not? Now listen. He didn't do it in a way that our finite human minds maybe think he should have done it. But you mark my words. You go ask John the Baptist if that was the way it should have went down. Heck yeah. This is right where I want to be with Jesus. He set the captives free. He will set the captives free. Your cancer may not get healed here. He will, you will be healed. You may be in a prison of depression and not conquer it this side of heaven. He will set the captives free. Maybe it's just the prison of doubt. Man, I cannot shake this doubt. And it's the prison of doubt that you find yourself. Listen to me. He will set the captives free. You were never going to hear me and Daniel or anyone from the stage preach Well, if you just had more faith, that depression would go away. Well, parents of a lost kid, if you just prayed a little bit more, if you just trusted the Lord, listen to me, that is so unloving. It's so unloving. Here's the most loving thing I can tell you this morning. He is the one. You don't need to look any further. And I know this, if you love him, listen to me, if you love him, whatever happens to you is for his glory and for your good and for your joy. I'm not even asking you to understand that. I'm just asking you to believe it. Listen, there will be tears. Just, and I'm about done, but listen to me, am I, am I trying to communicate, hey, when junk happens in your life that you just shake it off well I love Jesus so yay for cancer listen to me there there will be tears Jenny and I have sat with multiple couples on our living room couch who have miscarried and just wept with them hurt with them ask God to enter listen we're going to do that but we're going to do it with this heart He's the one. There isn't another.